Hello and welcome to episode six of Booze, Booms and Busts, the podcast that tries to blend market commentary with beer reviewing and uh, beer consumption. Uh, my name is Boaz Shoshan. I'm joined as ever by Sam Volkering. Sam, how are you doing this week? Uh, I'm okay. Been, uh, been a bit of a rough week personally. I had a few few personal emergencies going on this week. So uh, we're past the worst of those, fortunately. Uh, and this beer is going to be so very speedily consumed i feel because i'm i'm dying for a drink and, and i'm quite looking forward to our first and and second beer tonight actually yes we've got uh, we've got two beers lined up as uh, for for this for this podcast not going for for the full three or anything and these ones are relatively mild actually uh, considering our history so far through this podcast but uh, you know it has been a pretty tumultuous week all all around really we've seen uh, some very interesting action in the market we had uh, netflix get uh, you know suddenly whacked with a massive massive drop in market price and of course we had the uh, the great twitter hack uh, which i'm sure we can we can discuss uh, a huge amount on on uh, what that sort of what that means for uh, twitter the stock and also what it means uh, you know what what the what that reflects more broadly i think about uh, internet technology and uh, all the risks that pose that you know that uh, are are uh, that challenge the internet. Considering the internet stocks have done so so well out of uh, out of this tech rally, it is interesting to see you know one of the uh, one of the most influential names, so not nearly one of the most uh, highly valued companies, get hit in this way. But uh, before we do get onto that, uh, we should uh, probably describe what it is that we are drinking at the moment. And so we have started off with uh, Dalston Sunrise, and that is by 40 Foot Brewing, uh, 40 Foot Brewery Dalston. And this one's uh, Dalston Sunrise, as I said, it's got a pretty interesting label, nice uh, silhouette of what I, I presume is Dalston, it's a hazy pale ale. <laughs> 4.4%. So it is pretty tame uh, as, as as we've gone through this uh, so far. Sam, you've ha- already had a sip of this. What do you make of it? Yeah, I, this is this is quite nice. Again, it, it, it's bang on that sort of uh, 4.4%. It, uh, it's, it's not overly heavy. It's got a little bitter taste to it. I feel like there's almost um, almost a bit of peach from me when, I, when I'm having a drink of this one. I'm starting, to, yep. I'm starting to get a bit more specific with my taste profile in here, uh, Boaz, which um, is, is good <laughs> for... It only took to episode six for me to get that far. Um, but I've, got quite, I've quite enjoyed this so far after having a few sips. It's, it's quite cloudy. Um, it, it doesn't pass the see-through test at all. Um, but yeah, a little bit bitter. I get a bit of peach out of it, but quite an enjoyable drink so far. Yeah, it. Uh, I must say, this is uh, tastes really quite fresh. It was very refreshing, I would say. Uh, it doesn't taste too strong at all. It's hazy, but it doesn't feel it taste heavy. Um, and yeah, I think your, uh, I think yeah, I think your palate's more developed than mine, Sam. I'm not. I, I think I get where you come from with the peach bit, but I probably wouldn't have been able to nail it down as peach. But when you say it like that, I think I think it actually is. Uh, but yeah, I'm, this is pretty good so far. Let's see. Uh, let's see how it tastes by the end of by the end of the can. Uh, and after we've finished our, our our sort of discussion, I think we should probably start with Twitter. I think that's. I uh, think we have to. Yeah. Yeah. And what what are your what are your what's your opening take on on the entire uh, debacle? Well, you know what's <laughs> what's interesting is the accounts that they hit right. Um, and you know we're talking about some of the biggest followers like biggest people with with the most amount of followers in the world i haven't done the sums on um how many combined followers they have there are there's obviously crossover because i think twitter twitter on average has give or take about 330 million users at any given moment um and so you know you'd think that you know there's, there's a fair bit of crossover but nonetheless so the one account that they didn't attack that they didn't tweet from was trump I mean, 
come on. If you're going to go deep into Twitter and you're going to hack the system, you've got yeah. to tweet out as Trump. You hit Musk, Kim Kardashian, Obama. They even did it from Obama's account. Not mm. Trump. Not do you think you think that might have been because they were you know is that uh, you see it in a few sort of heist movies where they realize that they've stolen too much money so there's no way <laughs> they can get away with it do you think because trump's twitter account is such you know it's become like it's almost like a national security uh, issue you know if he if he tweeted something really wild out of that you could genuinely cause a situ like a situation in uh you know in an unstable country i mean imagine just the kind of things, if he said something about uh, the Chinese <laughs> Communist Party or something about North Korea. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just can you imagine? Maybe maybe that's why they, they were too feared, you know? That, that's why they, uh, they they didn't touch it. But it would have been yeah. fine. Imagine if you got, like, presidential approval for, for crypto, as it was as it was oh. Bitcoin they were after. Um, you know, imagine if he could have said something that uh, really goosed the Bitcoin price or something, you know? Yeah, and I think the thing is as well is that they could have put something just so wild from his account that yeah. it would have been believable. Like <laughs> of all the other accounts, like if you're going to tweet something about, oh, <clears throat> send me a Bitcoin and I'll send you two back and you tweet it from Obama's account, everyone's going to be like, yeah, right. But if you tweeted something from Trump's account, something real crazy like uh, America's yeah. going to adopt Bitcoin as its uh, currency, and uh, we're going to we're going to extend our range of nuclear weapons to reach mainland China because I'm sick of being yeah. bullied by the Chinese. That that would fly, like people would be like, he means that. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but no, they as well in the stock market. Uh, just a few oh, about specific names. Could have done uh, anything. Well, you, I, so I, you I, mentioned this before about the lack of imagination, really. Yeah. It's a real lack of a man. Like there's so yeah. much, there's so much that could have been done that wasn't done. You know? Yeah. I mean, when you think about more. what, so you say when you think about what Twitter's sort of capable of when, like, remember when Elon Musk tweeted Tesla stock was too high. And then in the time since, I think that was like, that was only like May, I think. And in the time since then, um, Tesla's stock price is up well over a hundred percent from there. I mean, you're right. They could have been, they could have said, ah, oh, uh, Tesla's stock price is like they could have tweeted, we're going to impose massive manufacturing restrictions on Tesla factories. And before they did that, they could have shorted Tesla. And even yep. if it had only fallen 10, 15%, which is very likely uh, in that sort of situation, they could have made a killing. Well, considering the valuation of Tesla as it is now, 10, 15%, you know, you would have, uh, that's a huge drop in uh, you know huge drop in price you know it, i it really is that fail of imagination you have elon musk uh you, why go for a bitcoin why go for bitcoin when you could yeah. have just gone for a, a, a share you know, like like tesla so you've got elon musk's account has huge influence over the tesla price uh which he uses to do to mess around with the price you know with the you know yeah. considering taking tesla private at 420 funding secured you know the classic one you could have said something wild from his account yeah, it just it could have been you could have just from Elon Musk's account, you could have just done a taunt to the SEC, right? Because he's always <laughs> he's always trying them. to wind up the Securities Exchange Commission. Poke the bear. Yeah, exactly. Poke could have they just could have bought a huge amount of puts on Tesla and just done a tweet from him where he's saying that, you know, you know, Tesla's gonna start printing shirts that say, you know, screw the SEC or something. You know, could have, <laughs> you could have done so many things and they didn't do it, you know. They just went for uh, you know, give us give us one one Bitcoin and I'll give you two. 
I know. I mean, when you, and even when you think about that, I mean, everybody's going to look at that and just go, "Really? I mean, if 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 this was legit, why wouldn't they just send one Bitcoin? Why why would you have to send one to get two back? It's like saying, I'm going to send you, uh, I'm going to send you twenty quid, but you're going to have to send me ten first before I'll send you the extra ten and your ten back. It just, it yeah. you're right. It screams of 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 the the heist where they've realised that they've really just taken too much and they've bitten off more than they can chew. It's a bit like. Um, uh, the 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 people that cheated on her, who wants to be a millionaire? That they did that recent uh, TV series on, right. and if they'd ta- if they'd have tapped out at, at you know like two hundred and fifty grand or something, they probably would have got away with it. But yeah. they got a little greedy, and then they didn't know what was going on, and then it all sort of blew up. And yeah, it just seems like they've got into Twitter, probably not expected to actually get that far, and then yeah. they've just said. Ah, uh, what do we do to do now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they were just trying to crack one account. Uh, and then through through that, they realized that they could actually access all the administrative tools. There was a, there was the interesting um, issue of the the screenshot of the administrative tools when there's a, there's mm. a button for trends blacklist. So of course, Twitter, uh, you know, Twitter just says, you know, what trends? It's just organic. You know, it's just what people want. Mm. And there's the whole issue of shadow banning, where you know, if they they don't like a certain user. They can throttle or shadow ban that that user so that yeah. uh, all of their posts don't appear on other people's feeds. So the it's throttling like, thing I found interesting. Yeah, it's it's like they've taken you and put you in a padded cell without you knowing it. So you're just shouting at walls and no one can hear you. Um, yeah, it's, exactly it's that. Of it. uh, but they've always sort of denied uh, that they they're not trying to control free speech that way. Um, and now, and that, yeah, here we are on the, or what appears to be, I mean, I've, I've not verified, uh, I don't know if it, the image has been verified, that screenshot, but it appears to be, uh, it does appear to be that they've got trends blacklist. You know, they have a blacklist of things that they don't want, you know, people to see, uh, ultimately. But there's there's uh, no doubt that Twitter, Facebook, and Google, uh, and, 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 and even, you know, even Netflix to a certain degree, because they choose what content, really finds its way onto their platform and if it's if it's stuff that they don't agree with uh they get rid of it it's, yep. it's as simple as that it, and they they ban users they remove content they they provide um you know uh, warnings on fact checking and things like that which you know to a certain degree you can understand where some of those come from but the idea that what people put online or opinions that they put online or even genuine fact or information that is put online, uh, the, the concept that that's really free is false. It's, it's just false because every one of these networks is a centralized authority. And this, this also sort of comes back to why this Twitter hack was able to take place in the first place. Now, you know, the, the attack was to get access to admin tools. Those admin tools then gave them basically unfettered access to all Twitter users and they went to town on, on some of the biggest accounts. Now there in itself is a massive problem because, you know, when we log into our Twitter accounts, you got to have your password, you know, sometimes it's two factor authentication and that's supposed to protect your Twitter account, but that's just not true because at the very core of how Twitter and all these social media companies operate is that it's their security that, we have to trust and we have to rely on if their security fails we're all at risk and twitter is the perfect example of 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 that security failing twitter's security not being good enough and everybody being exposed because of that and that single point of failure 
is the biggest problem with these sorts of social networks or with centralized controlled systems uh, that, that we have. And it's the same in the banking system. It's the same with any network where there are these effectively third parties that we have to rely on as individuals and as users for their security to be up to scratch. Because if it's not, we're all at risk. And the irony is that cryptocurrency and blockchain networks, decentralized distributed networks, actually solve that problem. So funnily enough, while the this, these attackers got onto these accounts and said, you know, send us a Bitcoin, we'll send you two back. And, you know, it, it didn't, didn't really generate that much uh, revenue for them. I think it was so like Bitcoin, was it? Was it 11 yeah, BT? Yeah, like 11 Bitcoin or something in total, which which is, you know, about a hundred and, I don't know, a hundred and something thousand US dollars worth. So, so well, in the scheme of it, nothing, yeah. right? Yeah. For a hack that significant and the account yeah. that, it, that, it, that it hit, that is peanuts. Uh, and they'll never be... Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man, it's crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. And they may get caught because um, I mean there is a crime they've committed a crime here there's the underlying crime is a hack of, of Twitter but yeah. if if Twitter's network had been decentralized and distributed in the sense that every user of Twitter still accesses the centralized sort of platform but the accounts are encrypted with a private key so that the only way that an attacker could access say a thousand accounts or even a hundred accounts would be to launch a hundred separate individual attacks on very targeted users. That's the only way that you could do that in a decentralized system. So instead of it being a single point of failure, if you roll it out onto a decentralized distributed network and instead of it being, you know, 330 million users and one centralized point of failure, it's 330 million points uh, of failure that need to be corrupted in order to corrupt the whole system, which is just practically impossible. Yes, they could hack, you know, my Twitter account, but then that wouldn't give them access to Obama's or Trump or whoever it might be. They would literally yeah. have to perform 330 million different separate attacks in order to then access the Twitter network. So this is this is the real story that no one's talking about is that, you know, the mainstream is saying, oh, Bitcoin scam ha- attacks Twitter. Not at all. Uh, cyber attack attacks Twitter and the underlying solution to this problem is cryptocurrency. Yeah, it was. Uh, there's another sort of twist to the story there. So we have this, uh, this clearly great, um, you know, well, clearly, well, great. I mean, clearly quite infamous, uh, uh, you know, attack on Twitter and a, a successful uh, heist, as it were, of the uh, of the Twitter um, you know, mainframe, as it were. So, you know, they've managed to break a huge, like if they had just had more imagination, they could have done uh, either a huge amount of damage or they could have stolen much more money or they could have messed around with the stock market in all manner of ways. Um, and, you know, in the end, they managed to get 11 BTC out of it. And that's not a tiny amount by any measure, but in terms of, you know, relative to the task, that was required to do this, you would imagine that, you know, that someone would try and get away with more than a hundred thousand um, dollars. However, I, you know, going back to the, the crypto side of it, the Bitcoin that they, they weren't after Monero uh, and they weren't after any of the Bitcoin cash forks. They were mm-hmm. after Bitcoin with segregated witness, uh, which I thought was interesting um, because clearly these guys don't want to get caught. Um, and they've not got a huge amount, they've not got a huge swag bag to pull away with them either, but they don't want to get caught. And instead they went for Bitcoin with segregated witness. So 
uh, one of the things I've always seen as um, interesting from the Bitcoin side is that, uh, like it or not, criminals uh, are not going to use something that doesn't work if they've been in it for a while. You know, criminals are going to are going to try and use something uh, that has some form of functionality. Uh, and for to begin with, that was what you know the Silk Road was all about, um, and it, it you know presented a means of transferring value without, uh, if you did it right, without. Uh, the authorities really knowing who it came from. So it's interesting to see that Bitcoin, despite the fact that there are now uh, entire businesses, you know, Chainalysis is a business which does mm, nothing exactly. but study blockchains to figure out who is sending what to whom. So because there are there are all manner of, of ways that you can try and uh, obscure your uh, who owns what within Bitcoin if you're sending something using uh, apps like CoinJoin or, uh, I, I, you know, I actually understand that a lot of the coin tumbler businesses, which are effectively automated money laundering uh, applications, which just, uh, if you you put money into it, uh, it would it would just send, if you put Bitcoin into it, it would just send Bitcoin to all, all manner of, a huge number of uh, Bitcoin address, and then, you know, send it all around within dozens and dozens and dozens of other Bitcoin addresses. And then it would come out the other side on a, you know, a clean Bitcoin address. Uh, and that was uh, the coin tumbling ne network. Uh, but I understand, actually, this was a while before I checked into it, but I understand that a lot of the those coin tumblers, uh, which yeah. charged effectively, I think it was a 5 to 10% fee. So a 5, uh, 5 to 10% fee, you know, round trip uh, of, of the transaction. A lot of them actually effectively went out of business to some degree when Monero came around, uh, which was much more privacy-oriented crypto. But I find it very interesting that the criminals, in this case, they're clearly not very imaginative, but they're very capable. Uh, still went with Bitcoin Core with segregated witness, um, which seems to be sort of a vote in favor of this, that form of Bitcoin, which I find quite interesting. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, if, if, again, I think it, everything of this just points to very inexperienced attackers that just got, got further than they really thought they were probably ever going to get. Because they could have yeah. implemented so many different ways. They could have, like you said, they could have, um, they could have tried to get um, other cryptocurrencies that that would have made it easier to hide their tracks. I mean, they're, they're just, they're, they're, it's unlikely they'll ever get to see those Bitcoin anyway. You think? Um, I think I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you'll. I think that you'll be able to pretty comfortably be able to track those down, and in a situation where they find their way into a tumbler or a mixer, that mixer all of a sudden becomes put under increasingly intense scrutiny from right. authorities. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And those sorts of mixers, they don't want that attention. Not, not if, if, if they, if they find, so those, so already those, those, um, the accounts, those Bitcoin accounts, uh, those are flagged. Hot, yeah. they're hot. Yeah. They're flagged. They're being watched constantly now. And will continue to be watched. There'll there'll be alerts. You can put alerts on on a on a on a Bitcoin public Bitcoin wallet um, for when when stuff moves. And yeah. so the interesting thing with that is this idea as well about the scarcity of Bitcoin. So that if it's eleven Bitcoin that they ended up with, those eleven Bitcoin are unlikely now to be ever seen in circulation ever again. They're just going to sit there. And that's 11 Bitcoin now effectively out of the system, which only goes to create even greater scarcity for Bitcoin as it is. And now, so there's a, there's a thing with Bitcoin, right? That we know that there's only ever going to be 21 million of them um, mined. 
And with halving rewards and mining difficulty, it's estimated that all Bitcoin will be mined and in circulation roughly by the year 2140, which is a long, 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 long way away. And we're actually most of the way through that as it is. But of those 21 million, so we already know that a bunch have been lost, a bunch have been stolen, will sit in accounts that have, you know, had the private key lost. Um, or the owners sit, died, in fact. The owners have died and, 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 and no one has access to, to those wallets anymore. And, and even some of the original Bitcoin that were mined and, and sit there from uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. So while there will be 21 million Bitcoin, the reality is that in terms of circulation, it's probably to be closer to more like 17 or maybe even down towards 15 million Bitcoin that will end up in circulation once they're all mined, which just adds to the scarcity of it. Um, and so there's, a, there's, there's that interesting sort of play there that as Bitcoin is used as sort of a, a, a more nefarious uh, unit of exchange or, or it's, it's chosen because it's believed to be a lot easier to to accept than like dollars the truth is that it's actually not you know if you ask for if you're if you're holding somebody for ransom and you ask and demand to be paid in bitcoin it's actually probably easier to track you and it'll be harder for you to access you know, those bitcoin now than it's ever been you, you're better off with uh, like say another a privacy coin or or perhaps even just good old us dollars um, mm. which is still the most used currency in the world for criminal activity we should add um, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. It, it's cryptocurrency. It's it's the PR around it from the mainstream is interesting because they call it a scam and they say it's the criminals' uh, currency of choice. When in reality, it's the the real, the really good criminals don't really use Bitcoin because it can be traced a lot easier than than people realize. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting how the, how it all sort of plays together. About crypto could solve the problems of 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 twitter being hacked in the, in the, to start with um the choice of being this whole you know send me a bitcoin or send you two back um is a bit stupid as it is anyway uh, and there are just so many other options it's just it's just one of the most fascinating and baffling security issues and breaches we've seen for for a little while i think but yeah. interestingly enough i thought i'd jump on to uh, the markets and check out just the impact that this has had to Twitter's stock price. And no. when I look, when I look at it, nothing, just nothing. <laughs> mm. What do you think that says? You know, because Twitter, because Twitter has not been anything like as successful as the likes of Facebook or, uh, mm. or really the other, the other social media platforms. So do you think this is simply a lack of sort of institutional ownership or, uh, you know, the fact that they didn't have any to sell on the news anyway. Uh, or do you think uh, people just sort of accept this kind of thing as part and parcel with Twitter, considering, uh, you know, there's been a massive pl proliferation of famous accounts being duplicated. Some, so yeah. somebody just impersonating another account, then saying that they're doing a Bitcoin giveaway uh, in a comment underneath the original account's post to make it look like that they're, they're doing it. You know, do you think that it's just a, um, it's just sort of apathy because people are like, well, this is just part of yeah. the course of Twitter. Um, or, uh, or do you think something else? No, I, I think, I think it's, it's, it's an apathy thing. I think people are just like, yeah, we kind of come almost come to expect it now in a, yeah. in a strange way that, um, yeah, you know, Twitter, Facebook's been hacked multiple times. Twitter's been hacked now a couple of times. Um, 
I think people, and I think this, so we talked about this the other week as well, that I think just the people's idea around security um, is, is it's, it's, it's just in this state where we're supposed to trust these networks. They always kind of let us down, but it doesn't, doesn't necessarily hit the individual. So, you know, no, no one jumped onto my Twitter account and, and sent out, um, you know, the, the, send me Bitcoin, I'll send you two back. No one jumped onto booze, booms, busts and, uh, and tweeted that out. And, you know, the 330 million, you know, there weren't, you know, it doesn't hit 330 million people. It's, we've still not hit that real critical mass event, which shuts down Twitter or shuts down Instagram or shuts down Facebook. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be the real, uh, the real moment when, when people, I mean, it's funny, I, it's every now and then like Instagram goes down, right? And people can't access Instagram. And the very first place they go to find out why is Twitter, right. um, which I find fascinating. It's like Twitter's the go-to source for what is actually happening uh, with, with things. But if, if, if Instagram was to be taken down or TikTok, imagine if TikTok gets hacked and, no, and, and, sh- and effectively shut down so that people can't ac- access TikTok for a month. You know, all of a sudden, something else would probably spring up and, and it would kill TikTok. Likewise, if Instagram was hacked in such a way that they couldn't, it couldn't be used for a month, even just a month would be enough to almost kill it off completely, you'd think. Mm. Those are going to be the big... That's, that's what's coming. I think, I think there's going to be a, a proper, you know, for lack of a better phrase, nuclear event uh, when it comes to that. And that's going to, so that will hit um, Facebook's price and Twitter's stock price. That's going to really cripple some companies and there's nothing they can do. This is, this is going to come. This is something that I think the world is going to see in this de- decade that we've not seen before is a proper cyber attack on one of these social networks that really impacts the individual user that's probably not that experienced with having to deal with cyber attack. And it's, that's going to really shake the market up. Yeah. There are so many, there's so many avenues that we could go down with this discussion. Um, I think, I think I would actually add a, add a mild caveat because, you know, we're, we're, we come at the, uh, at the crypto angle with the, with the hackers using uh, Bitcoin with SegWit segregate witness as the um you know from different angles so you see it as a failure you know failure on their part to go for they should have gone for something like monero or another privacy coin uh well i see it as a vote of confidence in uh, sort of as close to bitcoin core you know the traditional uh, uh bitcoin um well sort of the the the, the most hardcore bitcoin maximalist model uh, yeah. as 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 we can get right, so we're coming at it from different angles. I would, I would add a mild caveat with what uh, you said regarding, uh, you know, how how that uh, the Bitcoin that they've managed to um, steal, I mean, that, that was what was a fraud, yeah. um, has become permanently like you can't do anything with it now, right? You know, it's become tainted, uh, and that is certainly true. However, uh, I would add a um, sort of just a mild caveat with that, saying because. There's plenty of gold bullion out there uh, that is blood gold, effectively. So this is either be mined, you know, it's like it's like blood diamonds, you know, it's like conflict mi- conflict minerals, uh, where they are products or they are effectively Ill- illegal goods for all, all, all intents and purposes. 
you should not be transacting in them. You should not be, you know, there are all, all manners of, way, of ways in which uh, various miners, you know, there, there was a big scandal a while back with uh, one, of the, one of the more advanced miners where they'd been taking in illegally mined gold and then refining it and, you know, putting it out as uh, very clean gold. Um, and the, the, in the sort of criminal underworld, that you know, gold bullion is used uh, by some actors to uh, try and transact value, but it's all unregistered. No one knows really where it's come from, yeah. uh, and it will, in all likelihood, have, have been sourced from uh, some misdeeds uh, or other. And I think the I would say there would still be a market for that hot Bitcoin that they've managed to steal, uh, but only within that sort of criminal. Uh, so there will be a criminal say, I'll take that Bitcoin provided, um, you know, but I'll, maybe I'll buy it at a discount, you know, because it's hot. Uh, so sure. I, think, yeah. I think there might be, you know, it might not be totally tainted and burned. I think, yeah, I think within certain, certain circles and certain actors who, va- who still value it, maybe, they, maybe they'd have a market for it. Uh, but on yeah, the, that's on, a good point, actually. Yeah, well, I was just, just, just going to say, because... Yeah, no, but you, you're right, and I, I hadn't really thought of it in that sense that you could have a effectively a black market for black market Bitcoin. Yeah, because because yeah. you can have a public address that really has no identifying features as to linking it to a particular individual. Yes, yeah. it could be flagged and it can be hot, but so what if you can't tie it to anybody? It could move from from a flagged hot wallet to another flagged one to another flagged one for eternity, effectively. And it yep. will only ever move within that that sort of clandestine black market um, existence, which yeah, abs- I think you're yeah, it's a good point. I hadn't I hadn't thought of it in that way, but yeah, it certainly still has utility and value for sure. Yeah, provided the people don't mind being flagged, you know, it's like like you know yeah. some uh, some mafiosi guys who are just always going to be mafiosi guys, and you know they've got tattoos and you know whatever. They're always going to be they're always going to be that kind of individual, so they'll 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 be fine with transacting it because. You know, Bitcoin still allows for that uh, that kind of transaction. You know, still allows for yeah. um, that. You know, it's that that peer to peer exchange all over the internet that is uh, so uh, you know that, that made it so successful. But moving on slightly to uh, what you were saying with um, the likes of a major cyber attack. I mean, it does. You know, the, it it's really grim when you think about it, right? But it is oh, absolutely inevitable. Like, so there was a there was a chap, uh, a, a senior BlackBerry executive. Uh, a few years back, uh, and I think we may have—I may have discussed this with you before, in fact—but a senior BlackBerry executive who it was at one of these tech security conferences, who said, uh, "We have yet to encounter our Cyber 9/11." So yeah. just using that phrase, Cyber 9/11, we've not seen it yet, uh, but it's going to come. And but and, and you know, this is partly sort of um, you know the BlackBerry guy talking his book because BlackBerry is now in the business of cybersecurity. Effectively, they're, they're all about secure private communications anymore you know there's not they're not about these those great phones with the tiny keyboards anymore right <laughs> yeah. they're, all, they're all into the, uh, the 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 security um yeah but yeah. so but so he was talking his book but but it, it really does you know we haven't seen that it's all it's only in the imagination of you know video games you know like watchdogs yeah. where you know people can shut down and it, you know definitely you know grids have been shut down uh, and have been blamed on all manner of actors but in terms of a serious, you know, we're talking serious, broad, widespread shutdown of a, you know, a major network. We've yet to see something on the kind of scale. But the more complexity we add, the more devices that we've got going on, uh, the more we rely on our phones. It does seem, you know, the vulnerability just must grow and grow and grow. Um, oh, absolutely. 
yeah, and it, it, it's just like, when is that going to happen? I don't know. Uh, but that, when it does, I mean, you, you can imagine it putting a serious, a serious, uh, a serious spanner in the works of the, of the internet stocks, unless it is, yeah. unless they go for the stock market as, uh, as one of the things they'd like to target. That was one of the things well, that, uh, the, there was, I think with New York stock exchange, was meant to be, yeah. uh, meant to be some, uh, some, uh, sort of sleeper viruses. I don't know if they were, it was true or not, but so people were talking about that. <laughs> the sleeper sleeper viruses that could be triggered in the New York Stock Exchange. You know, if you really wanted to make a lot of money at the same time as, um, you know, causing a lot of chaos or attacking a major network, maybe you'd go for the stock market. Maybe, oh, you know, maybe you'd go for something. If you're a state actor and you're trying to cause, uh, you know, domestic chaos, and you know, maybe you'd want to go for something else. But it does seem inevitable, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think something big is brewing, and it it may even be state backed. I mean, we know now that you know global geopolitical tensions between China and the rest of the world has never been as as heightened as they are now. Not in the sense that um, you know a physical world war is going to break out, and you know navy and military and army forces are going to be deployed, but in the sense that you know if this is a te- technology war, and you know with the UK saying that they're going to ban Huawei technology, um, you know with the with some of the stuff that um, the US have been signing off on in terms of China and Hong Kong and, and same with the UK, uh, issues with Australia wanting you know to find more information. Basically, again, what we were talking about the other week, Five Eyes networks and uh, and how that all plays in with China. You know, China is very quickly becoming public enemy number one, and that that pisses them off, and they're going to push back pretty goddamn hard, I think, uh, because of that. So we we may see this this you know, if you wanted to hit. Uh, the US markets, if you wanted to hit the US economy, if you really wanted to piss off the Americans, you would go straight for their biggest source of power, which is their stock market. And you would go for the biggest players on that stock market, which are the tech companies. You would go right at Google, you would go right at Facebook, you would go right at Apple, Amazon, and you would do whatever you could to take them down because you then also probably shorting those companies while you do it. Um, and I think that's, that's the kind of, we're going to be talking about, you know, possibly some, some serious, um, financial cyber related attacks. And I think it's going to be state state based because they're just pissed off now at each other. And they Mm. know that, you know, it's, it's, it's the old Mexican standoff that they're both just pointing the gun at each other when it comes to the physical warfare, but cyber warfare, they can just keep firing away and they're not going to kill anybody, but they could kill some companies and they could kill some stock market uh, prices without too much trouble, I think. And so that could be the nine 11 that comes, you know, Netflix goes down permanently. Facebook goes down. Google. Imagine if you can't jump onto Google and search for, for shit anymore. I mean, yeah. God. What we going to do? Go and ask Jeeves. Yeah, exactly. Right. Jeeves was cool. I liked Jeeves actually, to be fair. Yeah, same, same. (laughs) But but that's that's the kind of, I think that's what's going to play out. It's going to be cyber, but financially linked in that sense, because the Americans' biggest biggest weapon they've got is their economic control. That's why they use, um, you know, the... um, uh, 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 restrictions and, and, and impositions they put on uh, companies and individuals and, and all that sort of stuff. Yes. That's their yeah, biggest the, weapon. Yeah, the, with the dollar dollar centric uh, allows yeah. you to get you know if you don't want it's yeah war by other means. If you want to uh, you know, wage war, you can. There's plenty of economic warfare that the Americans are very very keen on yeah. using. Uh, they're not maybe as, as we'll probably find out. I mean, they'll probably hit some kind of hit some kind of limit. Well, they're they're probably gonna uh, sort of 
reach new heights of how they can use the dollar to really sanction people. Apparently, the Treasury Department has an entire department. Well, they've got like a sub-department of guys that are just focused on uh, sort of enemies of the state uh, who use dollars and ha- how to how to mess around with them and stuff. But anyway, we yeah. are we are actually yeah. <laughs> at the end of this beer. I think we should actually uh, we should re- we should definitely uh, give it a rating before we pop on to the next one because we definitely. Are, uh, and and our next beer, the the label on our next beer has somewhat you know it's been a bit of a bit of a bit of a downer the <laughs> the conversation we've taken with this this uh, Cyber Nine Eleven coming, but it kind of plays into the label that's on our next beer. But you're right, let's uh, rate Dalston Sunrise. So I, I quite enjoyed that. Uh, again, I, I, it was as good as it was at the end of the glass as it was at the start of the glass uh, for yep. me, which um, is, is good. And, and I enjoyed it. You could easily drink a few more of those. Uh, again, it's, it's, you know, as a hazy sort of pale ale, it is true to what it says on the tin. Uh, I enjoyed it enough. Didn't blow my socks off. Um, I'd give that our sort of mid-level B-plus rating. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I'd say the same. Very, uh, very good at what it does, but what it does is is fairly, uh, fairly neutral, fairly simple. Um, but now very, uh, very enjoyable. I think I would give that. I think I would give that a either a B plus or maybe even a double B. Um, I think I'll stick with uh, B plus actually. Um, but very nice. You can have several of those, and it's uh, very light, very refreshing. Uh, I would say that's a winner. But yeah, that's uh, that is Dalston Sunrise by Forty Foot Brewery, Dalston. Uh, and very good indeed. Now, uh, Sam, what's our next one? We've got uh, Ride the Lightning, which is yeah. also crypto-related, considering all our uh, crypto discussion this way. Yeah, so Ride the Lightning, uh, and this is from the Black Iris Brewery, uh, which is brewed and canned in Nottingham, uh, which isn't actually too far from where I am. I've been to Nottingham before. It's the, it's the home of uh, Robin Hood, isn't it? And um, it's a cracking, I'll tell you why, that's a cracking city to go out in as well. Um, back before I had a kid and I used to go out and do things, um, Nottingham was a great place to go out. And uh, if, if anyone listening hasn't been to Nottingham, I do very, very highly regard that. Uh, so nonetheless, I ride the lightning. It's a very interesting label, uh, black and white label, uh, pretty cool art. I think the art is by a guy called Kev Gray. It, it seems that there's a name by it and I, I believe that could be the artist yes, behind this. Yeah. Um, but it's a NZ Wheat beer, uh, I believe, as well. Which I, I mean, yeah, uh, I assume that it just means that the, the 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 wheat they've got comes from New Zealand. I've not had it's a style called it's a NZ style Wheat. New Zealanders use. Right, right. But uh, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, I haven't had a sip yet. But if you, if you've managed to have a sip, Boas, what are your initial thoughts on this one? Mm, yeah, I would say it's uh, pretty interesting. It tastes more like I would say a pale ale actually rather than a uh, than any than a form of wheat beer. Uh, there is mm. there is a bit of wheatiness there, but I would probably for, my first answer would have been this was a pale ale. But uh, as you say, very interesting label. I've had quite a few actually from Black Iris Brewery before, but I've not had uh, not had this one. Uh, and all of their labels or all of the ones I've had so far have a similar very jazzy label. Uh, very uh, yeah, all, all the beers I've had have got this uh, the similar black and white. Uh, very uh, lots of sharp edges and uh, lots of uh, you know, it's very um, very comic comic book yes, uh, sort of style. Uh, but no, very and it's they're they're always very aesthetically pleasing. Uh, even the even the logo for Black Irish Brewery is very cool. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, I have had a few of these before, but I've not had uh, Ride the Lightning. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I've had from my first sip, I would say uh, very light indeed. This is only four point two percent, and it is uh, yeah very refreshing. 
Um, and in terms of actually, actually, Sam, as we we're halfway through this, uh, you, we were actually planning on a little competition, as it were, for any any viewers of this uh, of this podcast, right? That's true. I completely forgot to actually roll that off at the opening of this podcast. We might, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll tell everyone that's still listening about it now, and then we will perhaps extend it to our next podcast next week as well, so that everyone yep. has ample ample chance to get into it. Um, but what we are going to do is that uh, Boaz and I are going to mention a favorite beer of ours uh that we have liked over 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 the journey we've we've both been reasonably extended journeymen when it comes to drinking beer uh and today's uh podcast uh we we had intended to and we still may very well do name a favorite beer of ours and uh we will either name it again in next week's podcast uh, or we will um, name it for the first time. So kind of the idea is, you you know, we want you to listen to our podcasts. And uh, in doing so, if you correctly name the beers that we have said uh, are our favorites, we, uh, we want you to DM us or send us a message on Twitter. So if you follow us, booze, booms, busts on Twitter, and then send us the answers uh, that we are looking for, we are actually going to send you a case of the beers that we drink uh, in our podcast. So uh, what Boaz and I do is uh, every time we need to stock up, we coordinate and choose a selection of, um, of, of beers, boutique beers from around uh, the UK and other parts of the world. Uh, and that's what we drink over the course of the podcast over the weeks. So what we are saying is that the prize for naming the beers that Boaz and I will mention in uh, this week and next week's podcast, if you get that correct, follow us on Twitter and send the answers to us and, and you are correct in that. Uh, uh, you will go into the draw because obviously if, if a few people get that correct, um, you know, we're not going to give everybody a case of beer, um, but you're going to the draw to win a case of that beer. So that will be randomly selected if we get a number of people with the correct answers. And so when we place our next order, which is usually for, for me roughly about the equivalent of about 70 quids worth of beer, uh, we will replicate the beers that we choose and buy and we'll send you a case of them as well so that you will be able to drink the same beers that Boaz and I drink uh, through the podcast. So keep an ear out i was gonna say keep an eye out but no one watches the podcast so keep an ear out for what we say uh, are our favorite beers and what we'll note at the time that it's part of that competition uh and then as i said if you send us the correct answers follow us on twitter um you will go into the draw to win that case of boutique beers that we are drinking so hopefully that explains it out i really should have said that at the top of the show um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so hopefully it just gets uh, the ideas to, hopefully you're enjoying listening to what we have to say. You're uh, enjoying the market commentary that we provide and the ideas that we're looking at. Um, but yeah, we love drinking beer and we want to share that with everyone. So yeah, in for winning a case of beer. Yeah, exactly. So if you, uh, if, just to uh, just to reiterate, uh, so just in terms of Sam and I and I's favorite beers, if you just uh, give a direct message on Twitter, either to uh, ourselves or uh, you know myself and Sam Volkman on Twitter, very easy to find, or on indeed on the Booze Booms and Bust Twitter account, just send a DM with uh, whatever we say are our favorite beers, uh, and you'll be in, a, in with a chance to win a case of our next batch. Uh, and we'll do this uh, in terms of the the um, you don't have to send it immediately. You know, we'll do this. Uh, we'll we'll draw this out to next week's podcast because we've not been too clear with it this week. Uh, we'll do it next week as well. Uh, I will I will I will I will I will say I, you know, I'll put mine out there. Uh, my my favorite beer ever 
uh, is a uh, well, you know, I, I've, I've several, but in terms of uh, probably the one I'd go to first is one called Uncle Zester by Siren Craft Brew, uh, and that is uh, you know it's, it's a braggot that was made by Siren that they only make every uh, couple of years, but it's a real winner. Uh, but Sam, you can uh, you can uh, you, you can say what your favorite beer is at uh, another time. I'm just putting mine out there now uh, for anybody who's listening. Um, but in terms of uh, you know where we're going to go to next, this is Ride the Lightning, and it does seem like uh, if we wanted to sort of take an investing theme from that, Sam, how uh, how tuned in are you with the Lightning Network? Wow, that's an interesting one because the Lightning Network, uh, for those that don't know about it, the Lightning Network is a proposal that was well, it's not it used to, it used to be a proposal, now it's active, but effectively sort of side straddles the Bitcoin network. Because one of the problems with Bitcoin is that it can be very slow uh, when you want to make a transaction. So if I wanted to, let's say, buy a case of beer, for example, uh, and I was using Bitcoin in that transaction, uh, it could, in some circumstances, take up to a couple of hours for that transaction to actually confirm. So what that means is if I'm transferring Bitcoin uh, to a merchant that wants payment straight away for the goods that I'm buying, you know, you want that transaction to process instantaneously. You don't want to wait a few hours for that to to complete because it also might not complete. Uh, and you don't want to give someone some goods that they've then left with and then you have a transaction that doesn't complete two hours later. So the Lightning Network effectively tried to solve that dilemma by enabling off-chain uh, transactions that then effectively settle on Bitcoin's blockchain but it allows instantaneous payments. So, so very fast, very quick um, payments so that Bitcoin could properly be used as a currency, hence the term Lightning Network. Um, and it's actually become quite functional. It's become a very robust standalone network that, as I said, side straddles Bitcoin, but allows people to pay very quickly uh, with Bitcoin and Bitcoin transactions. What's interesting is that Lightning Network has now actually started to expand beyond Bitcoin and different Lightning Networks now popping up against other cryptocurrencies. So again, it sort of just brings to the fore the idea that Lightning Networks or the expansion of these technologies like Bitcoin has its flaws, but there's all this development that goes on as well to, um, I guess, advance it and to, to make it more relevant to, to users and consumers and merchants around the world. So it's, it's a fascinating thing. Uh, have you had much experience with it yourself? Uh, I have actually, indeed. Uh, it is a fascinating idea. It is, you know, completely different from, you know, what it still is decentralized to a degree, um, but it is it's so completely different from uh, the manner in which you would be used to uh, spending things. Uh, so, uh, for example, uh, and do correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, because I'm a novice with this. I, I've spent a fair bit of uh, satoshis and small small amounts of Bitcoin using the uh, using the Lightning Network. Uh, you need a you need a kind of a, a Lightning adapted wallet as well in order to uh, to mess around with it. Yep. But um, effectively, the idea is you um, you are when you interact with you want to. It's almost like you're opening a tab with the Lightning Network. So um, if you want to spend with vendors who are a part of the Lightning Network, so you want to spend a Bitcoin hyper fast, and it really is hyper fast. I mean, you're talking uh, like ludicrous transaction speeds. Like you can't, you can't uh, contemplate just how fast it is. Um, if you want to uh, spend using Lightning Network and you've got a Lightning adapted Bitcoin wallet, well, all you need to do is just effectively have 
uh, you open a tab with the Lightning Network to a degree. So you say, uh, for example, uh, there are all manners of, of different vendors within Lightning. Uh, they can be casinos, uh, you, get, you get shops, you get, uh, you know, uh, I believe even Bitcoin, some Bitcoin exchanges uh, do allow for Lightning Network transactions. Uh, but so, uh, you know, you effectively open a tab and say, or uh, you open sort of a, a line of credit, or if you're going to a casino, you to use a metaphor. It's almost like you go to the cashier and you say, this is how much I want to either gamble with or spend with tonight. So you you hand over, you open, um, you, you give over, say, 500 pounds worth of Bitcoin, uh, and you open that as a payment channel within the Lightning Network. So what that means is you're putting that, uh, that amount of Bitcoin into the Lightning Network to some degree. Now, don't worry, you're not going to lose it. You're not actually spending it. Or, you know, you use it if, uh, if you look at it literally, I mean, you are spending it, but it's not being paid to anybody else. Uh, until you're, you've decided to leave the casino, if that makes any sense. So uh, you open a payment channel, which has, uh, you know, say, 500 pounds worth of Bitcoin, uh, and it is then placed into a smart contract. Uh, and it can, you know, if you, if you ever want to leave, you can get that 500 pounds back, uh, provided that you've not spent any of it yet. So after you've opened that payment channel, which means you know, making a, a Bitcoin transaction on the network, which can take a while, after you've opened that payment channel, with your with your uh, your uh, sort of pocket money, as it were, for whatever you want to spend in the Lightning Network, you can then make Lightning fast transactions with anybody within the Lightning Network. So you're kind of trusting the uh, because because the way the smart contract is constructed, you don't actually need uh, if if my if my understanding of it works, you don't actually need to trust the 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 vendors in the Lightning Network because the way the smart contract is constructed, it's impossible for the vendor to then try and uh, effectively steal. The, uh, the chips that you've taken out, you know, to, to actually steal from the, the smart contract. Um, so you can, within that space, after you've got your 500 pounds worth, you can then make lightning fast transactions up to uh, 500 pounds worth, as it were. Um, and uh, you know, up until that point, you can make, you can spend with any vendor who is plugged into that lightning network. So this could be, uh, this could be a shop, this could be uh, a trading account, this could be a casino, uh, and you can spend, you know, it's a Satoshi's at a time. You know, you, you, this is uh, an in you know, hugely small value of currency, a hugely small unit of currency, and they can be spent. In theory, it doesn't geography doesn't matter anymore, provided everyone has an internet connection. So you can send one p across the world, um, and you know, it, and it will travel there insta fast. It's uh, it's incredible. You couldn't you couldn't do it uh, through a uh, you know a more where you couldn't do it, do it without incurring huge cost uh, throughout uh, within a, a more established a fiat system. But the way it's it's functioned, uh, it's hard to get, it's hard to bend your head around. Uh, but it is very, very interesting. It is crazy to be able to you know, gamble with pennies over the internet at a roulette wheel. Um, and yeah. I also think um, one of the interesting things about it, right, is that what it does is it solves a problem that some cryptocurrencies struggle with is that when you want to transfer value, you sometimes have to pay a fee to do so. And so that what that does is that also at, at a certain point eliminates the ability to transfer low value at an, uh, an acceptable cost or no cost. And so what Lightning Network effectively does is enables micro transfers. So you, like like Boa says, you could you could transfer effectively a pay for really no cost and have it instantaneously. And so that solves the problem with Bitcoin because you just otherwise you couldn't do that. No. And that that really reinforces. So I think what the, the, the thing that a lot of people miss when it comes to cryptocurrency is 
for a start, it's a very early stage technology. But the significance of what is it's capable of through blockchain networks, through networks that aren't blockchain based, that operate on different parameters. But the idea of these decentralized um, distributed systems that have you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions of nodes, effectively at some point in the future, maybe even billions of users. Every user on the network becomes a point of that network and becomes a point of strength on that network, but also becomes a point where the network can be more effective and more efficient. So what happens is with a lot of these networks, whether it be Lightning Network or Bitcoin or IOTA or Tezos or Monero, all of these sorts of cryptocurrency decentralized networks are inherently more powerful as they scale. So if you can deliver utility, functionality, usefulness to people as you scale and more people start to understand that and use that, they become inherently more powerful. And so that's what we call often the network effect. And when we look at the most common iterations of network effect in the world, the, the ones that come to mind are the likes of Twitter and Facebook and these social networks, because the real power in those networks is their scale, is the ability of them to have millions and billions of users in order to have that network. I mean, they're called social networks for a reason, but the issue with them is they're all centralized. They have that single point of failure and that single point of authority and control. If you, if you were to rebuild all those social networks today and to do it in a decentralized way where every user controls the data and controls the access and the key and the privacy of their account within that network, those networks are extremely more valuable and more powerful and more secure than they are today. That also means you don't get people like Bezos and, and Zuckerberg that are individually worth billions and billions of dollars um, off the back of the data of the millions and billions of users that they have. It means that the individuals are empowered and it might not necessarily immediately translate into, you know, extreme wealth for everybody that uses this network, but there's an opportunity to create wealth from the data that you have when you control the data that you create. And I think that's probably the big takeaway from when we talk about things like Lightning Network and how that can expand and how that can be used with cryptocurrencies. We talk about decentralized distributed networks being a solution to problems like Twitter's attack and the attack on Twitter and how the security of that can be improved with these networks. And that's the direction that this is heading. This cryptocurrency and Bitcoin as, a, as an investment play, uh, as an investment idea, as an opportunity, isn't just about Bitcoin being worth 20,000 US dollars. There's so much more to it beyond that. When you start to look at security, when you start to look at social networks, when you start to look at payment rails like lightning channels, when you start to see uh, that you can track the quality of, uh, of a piece of fruit or meat from its uh, uh, producer through to its distributor, through to its supplier, through to the consumer. There's so many different use cases for it that the narrow-minded just look at the fiat converted value of something like Bitcoin and don't take the time to understand the bigger picture of what this can touch. And the Lightning Network is a perfect example of the ongoing and continuous development in this space about what it's capable of doing. So when you see a problem that Bitcoin has in terms of micropayments and fast transactions and using it as a proper payment rail, 
this the the community that works around that says you know what that's okay we can solve that and so we build something like the lightning network and then we rule you know we run that out we test it we trial it we find bugs we fix the bugs we trust we test we trial we fix bugs and then we roll it out and we let the community then build on it and continue to build on it and expand on it it's like this is uh, it's almost like an organism uh, an organic organism that continues to evolve and continues to build and, and grow uh, relevant to the the specific parts of the world that it, that it needs to be relevant to. Yeah, so relevant when you st- yeah. When you start to just see how fast that, that network and these networks are growing and expanding and, 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 and taking out it, I, I, I still think I, I know people, people jump on me all the time about, oh, you yeah, that crypto guy, it's all that crypto. It's like, well, yeah, but when you start to really live inside this, and there, look, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of complexity. Like a lot of the stuff we're talking about with, um, you know, opening a tab and effectively using a, you know, a payment rail like Lightning Network. Most people, when this gets to a mature phase, and that's why I sort of said that this is very early stage. When it gets to a mature phase, and that mature phase is coming fast, all this stuff is just back end, right? It's it's yes. like how, how does how does Facebook's data center work? Well, like no one how cares. Does Visa work? Yeah, yeah. No one, no one gives a shit what how, how Visa processes the transactions. They just want the transactions to take place, and that's that's what's going to happen. Is you just end up with these systems and networks, uh, these cryptocurrency and decentralized distributed networks that have that are effectively the back end, the underlying technology that work. They work well. They do what they they need to do, and there's real value in that. And everybody that's a part of that network can benefit from that value. Um, but to the end user, it, it means nothing. There'll be an interface. There'll be an application layer that sits on top of it that, that then creates, you know, the, the next Ubers or the next Netflixes and all those sorts of application layer companies. So there's, it's such a broad, wide-reaching area uh, of opportunity that's exciting once you dig deep. You know, you can get a bit lost in the rabbit hole, but that's because there's so much to explore. It's, 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 it's just a very exciting space that constantly uh, keeps developing and pushing forward. Yeah, there are so many, so many sort of rabbit holes you can go down. Uh, because I'm more on sort of the, the Bitcoin maximalist side for uh, for sort of a view on crypto. I, uh, I I like looking at the the Lightning Network in general. Just a, in just to sort of uh, I, I said earlier, it's like opening a tab. Just to sort of clarify, so you you open a payment channel with the Lightning Network, which means you make a transaction. You uh, spend some money that you put into a smart contract, which says, um, well, it effectively says, uh, you know, all the payment, the, the transactions that you make at the end of this uh, will be rounded up uh, and then cleared, uh, but only once once the payment channel is closed. So you, you open a tab, you then spend whatever you want to in any manner of ways, thousands of times, it can be whatever. And then once you're finished, you actually shut you close that tab so you, you close the payment channel so you could have spent for, from your 500 pounds you could have uh, you know you could have spent 499 you could have spent one pound but at the very end the payment channel is then closed and so all of the transactions are netted off against each other from each yeah. vendor to each other vendor uh, and then at the very end of it then the, the payment channel shut and you get all the money that you uh, didn't spend back or and uh, or if you spent all of it then uh, you know it's it's finally transacted away it's a very um, 
it's very interesting just looking at all the weird sort of uh, applications that people on the internet have found for things like Lightning Network. There's a great, uh, great website, the uh, the Satnode bot, which um, is a uh, well because they've put a Bitcoin node in space now, so it's in a satellite uh, going around, uh, you know, and you can actually receive transmissions from it because it broadcasts from it. So if you have the right satellite dish, you can actually directly receive it. You don't even need an internet connection. Uh, but it's possible to actually trans uh, using Lightning Network to, to send messages just from that satellite node uh, that then get broadcast all the way around the world. So you don't actually need an internet connection provided you've got the the uh, the product, product to receive it, uh, provided you have a satellite dish uh, that, can, that can actually receive this uh, these broadcasts. And there's all manner of strange and interesting things uh, that go on with it. I guess the um, I guess one of the things that we could maybe close on Sam as we were looking at the the Twitter hack in general. Uh, and the manner in which uh, the the centralized network, you know, got that single point of control was seized uh, by people who lack a bit of imagination, but uh, great ability. <laughs> um, there is, you know, the the crypto social network that is most popular is Steam. Uh, Steam right. with. Two. What do you make of Steam and uh, Steam it? Because they have their own token. I think, in fact, they have two types of tokens. The idea is that you know, if you have a if you make a comment on a article or on a video and it gets huge amounts of upvotes like you would get on YouTube or on Facebook or something, uh, with Steam, you actually are getting, uh, you're being rewarded mon- monetarily by the popularity of your post. So you're actually being you know, financially rewarded. It's not just your ego yeah. that's getting stroked here, it's your wallet as well. Um, what do you make of that? Because the, the Steam does, you know, it's it survived the, the 2017 boom uh, and mm-hmm. and. 2018 bust. It's still still out there. People are still on there making posts. What do you make of Steam? Yeah, so Steam's interesting. I mean, Steam has gone through a bit of uh, controversy in the last sort of few months in terms of uh, I think it was Steamit that was actually acquired by Binance. Um, so there's been some acquisitions and and sort of which is which doesn't quite make sense when you're talking about decentralized um, networks. But uh, Steamit's actually quite not 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 a bad platform. I, I registered on Steemit and I've got an account on Steemit. Um, I think that that's the direction that cryptocurrencies and these decentralized networks are going to go. I'm not sure that Steemit's the answer. I think that there will probably be newcomers to that, to that sort of system and, and that idea of, you know, the good thing about it is that you can really post anything. There's no censorship on these networks because there shouldn't be. Um, and people say, well, no one should post things, you know, that are like maybe anti-Semitic or racist or things like that. It's like, well, yes, people shouldn't do that, but then people also shouldn't watch it if that stuff exists. Um, so there's something to be said for the liberty and freedom to be able to choose what you choose to watch and, and absorb and take in. Um, whereas, you know, we spoke about censorship before with a lot of these social networks in a truly non-censored environment. Uh, stuff gets filtered out and, you know, we're not at a risk of returning to um, fascist Germany just because somebody posts something that they deem to be acceptable was actually quite racist online. People, people and society will inherently knock them back down to the place that they deserve to be knocked down back into. So these networks like Steam, it absolutely will play a place. And I think that we're going to see newcomers in things like social network in a decentralized network that has, you know, complete freedom and autonomy to, to post what you want. And if it's popular, uh, then then people will watch it and you do get rewarded and in cryptocurrency. And I think that's going to be the direction where there's instantaneous uh, reward 
for things and for, for information that people want to consume. Um, and it's not just sort of steam it and those social networks. There are other um, contenders to, to try and take on, you know, the big players. There's, there's uh, like pre-search I know is a um, search engine that again is cryptocurrency based um, that rewards users for searching. So when you search for something through their search engine, you get some pre tokens um, or the basic attention token. Again, it's a, it's an internet uh, based browser that, that works in conjunction with the brave browser and that you can, if you, if you choose to see ads, you can get rewarded in a cryptocurrency for choosing to see the ads, which again is, is a complete sort of flip on its head from the way that current um, search and, and, and browsers work where you're forced to see ads if you want to even access a web page as opposed to choosing an ad. And if you choose to see the ad, then you get a reward for it. So it, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of ways that the, the cryptocurrencies and, and these decentralized networks are looking to flip the very concepts around these networks that we have known and come to rely on uh, and how they're going to look in the future and how that will reward people for using them. So it's an exciting space and there's so much out there like Steemit or, or basic attention token and things like that. But I think it's really going to change how we look at the way we interact online uh, and how we interact with each other, which I think is exciting. Yeah, I, it, it'll be interesting to see if the uh, the Twitter hack and you know the, it's almost inevitable it'll be some some uh, similar thing occur in future to one of the more major social networks. Um, in terms of, it feels like there will be some kind of call to action with something must be done. Hopefully it won't be uh, the government needs to uh, run and they need to be uh, regulated up to some kind of government standard, which will inevitably be, uh, you know, overridden by a cunning hacker. You know, hopefully it won't go the uh, the more authoritarian route, uh, though it seems kind of inevitable as well. But hopefully these, these, these actions... Um, and this time around, uh, thankfully, only uh, you know it w wasn't a huge fraud. They didn't manage to steal vast amounts of money. It was uh, they didn't get away with very much, uh, relatively speaking. But hopefully, these kind of events will will draw more attention to the fact that um, you know individually we need to be uh, pretty vigilant when it comes to your own mm. cybersecurity. And hopefully, we'll be more you know we'll be more prepared if there is a, indeed a cyber 9/11. But we are getting on a, a little bit for time. Uh, is Sam, what, how would you rate Ride the Lightning? What's your take on it? Yeah, so I wasn't a hundred percent sure of it to start with, um, but as I continued to, to drink it, it, it did start to get more of that wheat uh, taste to it. I, I absolutely agree with that. When you first sort of start drinking, it, it's got a bit more of a pale ale taste to it. Um, but I really, I actually started to really enjoy that. And the thing I liked about it is sometimes a lot of wheat beers, uh, that I've drunk in the past have been, you know, a bit heavy, um, really dense that the, I like the fact that it's a lighter alcohol content, but cause it does seem to make it a little bit lighter and easier to drink, but I actually ended up really enjoying that by the end of it. Um, I'm, I'm going to give that a, a double B rating for me actually. Oh, wow. Oh, very nice. Very good. Very good indeed. I'm glad you've uh, you've enjoyed it. Uh, this one, I would say, uh, for me, uh, I, it was it is uh, very stable all the way through. Uh, I would say you know taste doesn't change. If you're if you're enjoying it at the beginning, you'll enjoy it at the end. Uh, for me, it doesn't do. It doesn't. It's very nice. So if you ever um, want a beer that is uh, you know does what it says in the tin, isn't very uh, doesn't do anything crazy, but what it does does well. I'd probably uh, I'd probably go for one of these. Uh, this is a very nice. Uh, 
it, it's very um, nothing to write home about, I would say. But it uh, you know keeps its cards close to the chest and uh, does a very good job. Ride the lightning. I would say for me because it doesn't. Uh, I think the I would prefer the Dawson Sunrise as a, as another light you know four percent kind of beer. For me, this one I would give a a, sol a solitary B uh, this time. Uh, but you know, beer, a solitary B isn't bad either. I think that's uh, it's still a you're still nowhere near the A's there, and it's not a B minus or anything. So I I would give this one a B. Uh, but that uh, I think we're uh, we're coming up to the end of our time for this for this uh, for this week's podcast. Sam, would you like to reveal what your favourite beer is for anybody who might want to uh, want to chime in for our competition? Uh, yes. Yeah, so for anybody that is listening at this point still, which hopefully is at least one person, uh, it'd be <laughs> nice to give it'd be nice to give away a case of beer to at least one person. Uh, so as Boaz said before, his favourite beer uh, relative to this competition was the Uncle Zester, I believe. Oh, that's correct. correct. Um, for me, um, this isn't necessarily the best beer I've ever drunk, but it's certainly one of my most favorites because of some of the memories that it invokes uh, when I bring it up. Um, but for me, it was the Aflachem Triple. Um, now, the way I pronounce that and the way it's spelt is a little bit different. So I will take a bit of leeway as to when people write in with their answer. I believe the spelling is a double F L E I G H E M. Uh, but yep. the Afrem triple um, was a quite a potent one. Um, first drunk in Amsterdam. Um, and it, as I said, it brings back some great memories of times with some friends while abroad and, and definitely uh, still to this day, seek it out where possible to chuck a couple in the, in the fridge and consume where possible. So uh so if you're if you're going to enter our competition, as I said, uh, you can DM us, DM us on booze, booms, busts. Uh, the answers are Boaz's Uncle Zesta and Sam's Aflachem Triple. Well, there you have it, folks. Very good. If you do, if you are interested in getting a case of beer that we will be consuming in future in uh, future episodes of Booze, Booms and Bus, do uh, do give us uh, send us a message on uh, on Twitter. It is, if you don't have a Twitter account, it isn't uh, it doesn't take long to uh, to get one set up. Uh, hopefully, it won't get hacked by somebody who will then uh, it, you know poses you and uh, ask for Bitcoin from other people. Uh, but it is a it is very simple to do. So if you are if you are interested in getting a case of beer. For our, for, and which and you know, beers which you can consume with us in, the, in future booze, booms, and bust episodes, uh, do send us a direct message with those answers. That is all for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you're uh, hope you're doing well, and hope you're uh, you're enjoying the uh, maybe maybe the relaxing of lockdown. Maybe you can go to a pub, uh, uh, provided you're all socially distanced and all that. Uh, and hopefully you're uh, you're having a very nice uh, Friday evening or or a Saturday evening for that matter. That's all for this week. Uh, but we shall be back again next week with another episode of Booze, Booms, and Bust. And that's all for now. We'll see you next time.